We interrupt your special announcement to bring you this regularly scheduled programming. Girls do their best and are preparing. Please wait warmly until it is ready. Hey, it's Coolio if you don't know, and it is time for yet another episode of Square Wave Symphony here on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. Um, and uh, quite a lovely day out there, and uh, it's probably going to start getting a little warmer uh, very soon, but we'll get to that in about half an hour's time. For now, let us take a look at what's new over at Low Bias Gaming. Uh, starting with uh, Vagrant Story from Jason. He's got one, two, three, four, five, six new episodes in the past week. Um, Jade Pharaoh has brought us a few of his series. Um, he has started on Mega Man 11. He has, um, actually, I think that's the entire thing. That's two videos of uh, his Mega Man 11 stream as well as his entire Let's Plays of Leisure Suit Larry, Wet Dreams Don't Dry, uh, 15 videos there, and Danganronpa 2, Goodbye Despair, 48 videos. So not a light watch, but um, definitely a good one. Uh, Jason also brings us four new videos of Shovel Knight, and uh, also the... Um, um, 365 days of the Super Nintendo. There we go. That's still in full swing, and the latest entry to that is uh, the Page Master, which is actually a game that I used to have as a kid. That's um, kind of a blast of the, uh, from the past for me. It's not a very good game, but it's it, it's interesting at the very least. Anyway, that is uh, about it for the intro. So let us get on to the actual show itself. You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM, Halifax. Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. That song was by John Baker and it's called Toe Jam Jammin', which should pretty much indicate what uh, game this is from from the archives. (music) 
check it out, we're ToeJam and Earl, and we ran into a small problem, more specifically, a large planet. I, I should have never let Earl drive. Help us hunt down the pieces to our rocket ship, and we'll let you jam out some tunes on our megawatt Rapmaster. Deal? Whoa! We're bumping into some of the weirdest creatures in the universe. Earthlings. Boogie down with bewitching hula girls. Block a nerd herd. Or hurl tomatoes at a crazed dentist with a drill. Split up and scope things out. Or hang together and to share your stuff. Pick up presents you can use, like wings, rocket skates, and inner tubes. Or one you'll wish you hadn't opened, like bees tomato rain and school books so grab a friend or join the jamminess party you'll ever play this is toe jam and earl it's an action game for the sega genesis developed by toe jam and earl productions published by sega and released in 1992 it's sort of a roguelike but it's really offbeat it is probably one of the most bizarre roguelike entries that you'll ever play and the the um the series is still going on. In fact, there is a new Toe Jam and Earl game to come out just recently, so I thought I would dig this one up for you guys. If you're interested, there are four videos that Ragnats provides for us as part of the Low Bias Monthly for July 2015 Surreal Games, so check it out on lowbiasgaming.net. Nordic Overdrive by Commissar from his album La Lune du Minuit Eternel, and you're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. And welcome back to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax, your home for video games, chiptunes, and all things weird and geeky. And speaking of weird, it is time for the news of the weird. Um, now, in response to last week's news of the weird, I am now running a script that allows me to determine if there are any interesting words in the news of the weird. So if there are, I will at least know that. If there are not, I do not read these stories ahead of time. Some of these may not jive well with all audiences. This segment is about 13-15 minutes long, so take that as you will. And I am looking for something similar to News of the Weird, but not News of the Weird itself. If you do know of anything like that, please let me know 
over on Twitter at SquareSim, S-Y-M. Our lead story, what's in a name? Unfortunately named John Martinez Meth, see where this is going, 46, of Clear Lake, California, was sentenced on February 21st for the involuntary manslaughter stemming from a delivery she made to Adrian Sepulveda at an inmate at California Medical Facility in Vacaville in May 2018. Sepulveda, who died on May 28, 2018, was serving a life sentence for second-degree murder when Martinez Meth visited him. An autopsy, uh, short, uh, An autopsy showed that shortly after her visit, Sepulveda had swallowed multiple balloons filled with methamphetamine, Fox News reported. A subsequent search of Martinez Meth's home uncovered meth and balloons. She pleaded guilty to the charges and will serve two years. I mean, at least she was appropriately named, but I don't know. That's weird things that can only possibly be coincidence, except for the times that it's not. Legal shenanigans. San Juan County, Washington Sheriff Ron Krebs is on the hot seat after Superior Court Judge Catherine Loring accidentally discovered a, a disturbing video. On January 31st, Loring was sitting at the desk of the court administrator when she noticed video from a courthouse camera on the computer screen. As she washed, the camera panned and zoomed in on the jury box and counsel tables, settling on juror number three's notes and a legal pad belonging to the public defender Colleen uh, Kenemond, yes, right in the middle of a misdemeanor assault and trespassing trial for Lopez Island resident Dustin Schibel. According to the Seattle Times, Loring alerted Superior Court Judge Donald Eaton, Eaton to the video and Eaton dismissed the charges against Shibbold, citing government misconduct. Krebs, who controls the cameras, said he was concerned about the defendant who had threatened to stab a Lopez Island grocer. He claimed he didn't pass on anything he saw with the camera and County Prosecutor Randall Gaylord uh, said that no one in his office received any information from Krebs. We are independently elected officials, Gaylord said, distancing himself from Krebs. Our next story is continuing crisis, because it'll never stop, folks. Attorneys in Maryville, Tennessee, are debating the merits of a felony case brought against Howard Matthew Webb, 31, after he, proceed with caution here, dipped his testicles in a takeout container of salsa that his companion was delivering along with Mexican food. As the two ferried the food on January 12th, Webb took his boys for a swim while he recorded the act, and the driver laughed and said, this is what you get when you give, up, when you give an 89-cent tip for an almost 30-minute drive. Webb is heard saying, oh, it feels good. Ew. The video made it to Facebook, and Webb was arrested on February 22nd for adulteration of foods, liquids, or pharmaceuticals, a Class C felony. But the three local attorneys told the Knoxville News Sentinel that they don't think the, heart, the charge holds up. It's doubtful under these facts, no matter how outrageous, that this criminal offense could be proven, said attorney Gregory P. Isaacs. It appears Salsa Man may have committed an act for which the legislature has not yet contemplated the absurdity of. It is a bit out of left field, isn't it? Hopefully Salsa Man does not end up replacing Florida Man. Bright ideas, ladies and gentlemen. First, the uh, there are two of these. The long, harsh winter must be getting to folks in Muskego, Wisconsin, to wit... Police were called to a home on February 22nd after, quote, a big teddy bear was reported to be at a neighbor's front door. As it turned out, the human-sized panda, not native to Badger State, was a 48-year-old man who had been asked to check on the dogs and thought it would be funny, excuse me, thought it would, be, it would be funny to prank his neighbors through their security system. I knew my neighbors had cameras, and I thought I was going to make the ordinary extraordinary and dress up in the panda suit, the unnamed man told CBS 58. Apparently, he has also picked his daughter up at school and met her at the bus stop in the suit. Pandas are her favorite animal. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you have furries running around all over the place. 
I am one of them. I don't have a suit. Maybe I will someday. But, you know, it's just harmless fun in this case, right? No need to worry about this. And uh, our next bright idea, neighbor... Oh, there are three of these. I missed that. Neighbors of Michael Prasek, 33, of... Oh, boy. Zdekov, Czech Republic, were rightly concerned about the animals living on his property. In 2016, Prasek bought a full-grown lion and two years later added a lioness for breeding purposes. He built enclosures for them, defying, defying government regulations, and would not allow authorities onto his property to investigate. BBC News reported on March 5th that Prashek's project had met a tragic end. He was discovered by his father in the lion's cage, mauled to death. The father said the cage had been locked from the inside. Police who were called to the scene killed the two lions in order to reach Prashek's body. They could have just as easily tranquilize them, but well, it's too late for that. Um, presuming, uh, presumably grasping for a silver lining, Z uh, Zdekov Mayor Thomas Kachorik, uh, let's go with that, commented, today's incident will perhaps finally help to resolve this long-term problem. Cold, dude. Yeah, there's... For one thing, how do you just buy a lion? For another thing, what what gives you the idea that buying a lion is a good idea? It's not. <laughs> there are licenses for a reason. Anyway, what's done is done. Let's move on to our third bright idea. J uh, Judith Streng and her son Rod traveled to Iceland in February where they visited Diamond Beach in jo uh, Joklo... My goodness, names today. Jokul Sarlin. Jokul Sarlin. There we go. The tourist attraction features huge chunks of ice that have broken off a nearby glacier. The Texas grandma saw other visitors having their pictures taken on a beached iceberg that was shaped like a throne, so she climbed aboard for her turn. That's when a sneaker wave swept in and took string out into the lagoon. A very large wave came in and kind of made the, th the throne kind of rock, she told ABC News. Streng was rescued by a boater, Randy LeCount of Florida, who happened to be nearby when she drifted away from shore. You know I always wanted to be queen, Streng said. That was my chance. Oh, for once, Florida man saves the day. There we go. But, um, you gotta remember, when you get the idea of uh, jumping onto an iceberg, those things are not grounded in anything. They're floating in the water. It doesn't take much for something to happen and then you fall off. Just saying. But everyone is fine, and that's the important thing. Our least competent criminal for the week in the category of unnecessarily calling attention to your criminal self, Trinidad J. Garcia, 26, of Forest Lake, Minnesota, wins the gold. On March 1st, as Garcia motored his BMW North on Snowslick I-35, police say he fired a stolen gun without provocation into the passenger door of a pickup truck that was passing him on the left. The Minneapolis Star Tribune reported that he then veered into the, the median ditch. Luckily for him, a state trooper was close by and stopped. Garcia, who had stuffed the loaded gun in his front pocket, was arrested. In his car, officers found a shoebox with $11,481 in cash. Nice specific number. He was charged with second-degree assault, drive-by shooting, and being a felon in possession of a firearm. And yet, no charges about where he got the money? That seems really suspicious to me. Um, but yes, another lesson of if you're going to do something bad, try to be smart about it, but the smarter thing to do is don't do anything bad to begin with. Uh, next story is recurring theme. Mark Anthony Jones, 46, of Marion, Indiana, is probably in the market for a nice holster after his experience on February 28th. Jones told police he was walking along a riverside trail in Marion early that morning when his firearm began to slip from his waistband. Uh, and see where this is going, and it's not pretty. 
As he reached to adjust it, the gun discharged, and according to the police report, the bullet entered just above his parts and, and, and exited his other parts. <clears throat> Wish TV reported that Jones did not have a license for the high point 9mm weapon. Grant County prosecutors were considering whether to charge him with any crimes. In my opinion, I think he suffered enough. And that's why you don't... That's also why you don't use your waistband as a holster. You just don't. Because you don't know when that's gonna happen. Our last story, drinking and shooting. Ah, the pregnant possibilities of combining alcohol and firearms. I was worried there when I saw the word pregnant and alcohol in the same sentence. But we don't have to worry about that. In Warren County, Virginia, Mariah Smith, 38, of Arlington, and another woman were enjoying a quiet horse ride through a cemetery in Middletown on the evening of March 2nd, reported in BC4. That's already a way to start. But when they're asked to remove their horse their horses from their from the cemetery grounds, Smith fired her 38 Smith and Wesson pistol, according to Warren County Sheriff's officers who responded to a call there. Deputies found the women nearby and charged Smith with three firearms charges, including possessing a concealed firearm while under the influence. That's why I'm glad I live in Canada. You don't have people carrying guns all over the place. But it's just a recipe for disaster. And today's news of the weird is kind of the proof of that. Anyway, that's it for our news for today. Let's take a look at the current weather. It is currently minus 3 degrees with a wind chill of minus 10 here in Halifax and partly cloudy skies. Looking at a 30% chance of flurries tonight and a low of minus 6. Saturday, March 9th, a 30% chance of flurries and a high of plus 1 going down to a low of minus 12 and clearing skies at night. Sunday, March 10th, as a reminder, a daylight saving time will be starting on that day, so you will need to move your clocks ahead as we enjoy a mix of sun and cloud and a high of minus 2, going down to a low of minus 3 and snow or rain at night. Monday, March 11th, a 6% chance of showers and a high of plus 6, going down to a low of minus 2 in cloudy periods at night. Tuesday, March 12th, a 30% chance of flurries or rain showers and a high of plus 1 going down to a low of minus 7 in cloudy periods at night. Uh, Wednesday, March 13th, a mix of sun and cloud and a high of 0 going down to a low of minus 7 in cloudy periods at night. And Thursday, March 14th, a mix of sun and cloud and a high of plus 3 degrees. You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax and let's get some music going.
That was Rio and Pointless with uh, Melt. And you're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. And welcome back to Square Wave Symphony here on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. You're home for video games, chiptunes, and all things weird and geeky. And today, I want to talk about a game. Well, actually, we're back to talking about three games, but anyway. This harkens back a little to today's archives, which feature ToeJam and Earl, a very offbeat roguelike. The fact is, there are so many roguelikes out there which all have their own different way of playing through them. However, it's also possible to get to the point where you get stuck in a routine, which eventually leads into the game not being quite as exciting as it should be. So, I'm going to tell you guys about a few roguelike, roguelikes and perhaps offer some suggestions on, ma- on how to make the experience a little more exciting. The first one that I'll talk about today is one of the oldest ones of its kind outside of Rogue itself, Angband. This roguelike was created by Alex Cutler and Andy Estrand in 1990 and is currently maintained by the Angband development team. Based on the works of J.R.R. Tolkien, the game revolves around an adventurous quest to attack the fortress of Angband, descend 100 floors, and take on Morgoth to claim the One Ring for the side of good or for their own purposes. So first off, this game is brutally hard. It starts off simple enough, but even early on it's fairly easy to get yourself stuck in a situation which leads to almost certain death. Not just from the enemies which can swarm you, call for help, rapid fire spells, and all sorts of other nasty things, but from various items. Here's just one example. The hunger system makes it so that the player needs to keep their character fed or else they'll start losing health and stats. Running out of food is therefore a huge problem. Potions of salt water will cause the player character to vomit, setting their uh, hunger to critical levels, and a player might unwittingly uh, consume one not knowing what it was because potions are not named until you identify them in this game. Combined with lack of food, the player might try drinking potions or eating mushrooms as as an emergency measure, but any of those may have other deleterious effects of their own, inevitably leading to the player's doom, sometimes after hours of play. As far as keeping this game fresh, keep in mind that there are a lot of different options to customize your experience. If the game feels too easy, there are birth options to make it harder, such as disabling shops or even forcing the player to keep going down, never able to return upward. If it feels too hard, there are cheat options to allow the player to peek into what gets up getting spawned into dungeon floors, restore health and status at whim, and even cheat death itself. Alternatively, there are dozens of variants available, and while most of them may not be getting maintained anymore, they still have all sorts of alternate mechanics to offer, such as new environments, skill systems, deities, and much more. So if Angband doesn't offer enough variety, Someone's almost definitely made something based on it that does. Two of the biggest ones that I can think of just offhand are Zangban, which is um, by David Zelazny, I think, or based on Zelazny's works, one of the two, and also um, Tales of Middle-Earth, um, which eventually became Tales of Majile, much different uh, type of roguelike and super fun. Uh, the next one that I'll mention is Dungeon Men's. I've touched on it during a rapid review rampage, but I'll get into more detail now. This roguelike is developed and published by Adventure Pro Games LLC and was de- released for PC on December 9th, 2014. A vast continent has been invaded and seized by beings known as the Dread Purple. However, Sir Winnington Crushfield III, a legendary champion who has traveled across the sea and seen this plight, decides to build the Grand Dungeon Men's Academy and train as many people as it takes to assault the Dread Spire and release the people from this threat once and for all. This game follows in the more recent trend of progressive roguelikes. In other words, even once the player character dies, certain types of progress will carry on to the next player. It's also possible to play without this mechanic if you so prefer. But in this case, the, p- the player can gather items called proofs of strength. Yes, strength. This game uses a lot of weird terms like strength and foom and things like that. Uh, and use, use them to increase their stats. Certain items will help to expand the academy and allow for new types of, of adventures 
in later playthroughs. Other items will allow the player to learn the identity of scrolls and potions which would otherwise be hidden until either a scroll of identity is used, Headmaster Crushfeld identifies them for the player, or the player just tries to use the item and hopes for the best. On top of that, any player uh, character that reaches level 10, harder than it sounds, the little cap is 15, and thereafter dies will show up as a ghost in the academy which will fully train the player's next character in a randomly selected skill branch which they had maxed out. My suggestion to, uh, suggestion to keep this game fresh can only be done once the library has been expanded to, the, to its maximum size. To do this, the player must find 10 skill books, any 10 will do, and turn them into the academy. Every future graduate from then on will get 4 random skill books right off the bat. On top of that, where the player can select between about a dozen different class presets, they can also select the Dungeonman's class, which gives them no skills but five skill points to be distributed in any way they want. So my suggestion is, once you get the maximum library, play in Dungeonman's mode, and let your effective class be dictated by the books you get from the library. This can result in some fairly eclectic mixes, and it can get very interesting and sometimes difficult trying to mix these new skills together in some combination that works, but there is nothing more satisfying in this game than being able to launch yourself into a mess of enemies and coming out alive on the other side. The last one I'll mention is Tangle Deep. This roguelike is developed and published by Impact Gameworks and was released for PC on February 1st, 2018 with a Switch release almost exactly a year later. In fact, the year minus a day. You play as a villager in an underground settlement whose population has lived there for hundreds of years. Occur uh, occasionally, certain individuals will, um, be, will receive the touch and become stronger, at which point they may endeavor to explore the only way out of the underground, an ever-changing labyrinth called the Tangle Deep. Thus far, nobody is known to have traversed the entire thing. Now, I have the least amount of experience with this one, having only picked it up a few days ago through the new Humble Indie Bundle, which, by the way, if you're listening to this either live or uh, fresh on the podcast, should still be running now. But let's get into it. This game seems to have several different modes. Uh, though the game defaults to being a progressive roguelike, it is possible to play it as a true roguelike, or otherwise remove the permadeath aspect if you don't like that sort of thing. Just as with Dungeon Mans, the player is able to bring items back to town to unlock new features. For one, the player can plant trees, from which they can gather fruit, which gives them health and uh, other resources, or which they can cut down later on and gain experience and job points. Another particularly interesting thing about this game is Item Dreams, which are special dungeons that become available after defeating the first major dungeon boss. By entering the item dream of any given piece of equipment, it's possible to power up, uh, to power it up as well as add extra, extra enchantments to them. However, these dungeons are fairly dangerous and dying in them has the same consequences as dying in the Tangle Deep. The main way to add variety to this game is through the job system. At first, there are nine options for different jobs, each with their own skill set, with three more unlockable ones later on. Throughout the game, it is possible to change jobs, which allows the player to carry over any skills they've acquired to that new job. In addition, it's possible to build up masteries for every weapon type. Thus, one way to add variety is to change jobs as often as is possible and get a large variety of skills, keeping in mind that by default, changing jobs isn't free unless you have a scroll to do so. One suggestion is to get one or two skills, then use a d12 to decide which job you're using next. On top of that, there is a fairly wide selection of birth options to choose from to make the game. Excuse me, to make the game either easier, such as making job changes free, or passively regenerating health and resources. You heard me right. Unlike other roguelikes, you do not get those back passively by default. Or to make the game harder, such as giving all monsters a champion trait, or making it so that monsters don't drop money. So that's your list of roguelikes. This is definitely a genre that isn't for everyone, but developers have made much headway in making it more approachable than it used to be 20 years ago. Problem is, there's some of them are also calling things roguelikes that aren't roguelikes, but uh, that's, a, uh, that's a subject for another time. 
So what about you guys? What is your favorite roguelike? I'm I'm sure that a lot of you have probably played at least one. Even if you don't know that it's a roguelike, basically any sort of uh, procedurally generated dungeon crawl that has permadeath generally is going to be a roguelike. So let me hear it. What do you like in roguelikes? Let me let me know on Twitter at Square Sim and um, let's get some suggestions out. Some suggestions, suggestions. There we go. Some suggestions out there. You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax.
That was Choppa Style by Jake Kaufman from his album FX3 Remastered, and you're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. And I found a thing. Yes, I found a thing, and I'll share that thing with you in a segment that I like to call I Found a Thing. And it's not really anything new. Uh, basically, I just figured that we're probably going to have some time left over um, after that review. So let's go take another look at the basement of Warehouse 23, because there's a lot of um, interesting entries in that place. So let's go take a look at what else we can find. You open one of the 997 boxes on this floor in level one and find lots of styrofoam packing popcorn. In the middle, deep down, is a small bag of normal popcorn. If this bag is left alone in the dark with free space, it will fill it with styrofoam packing popcorn at the rate of one cubic meter per day. I know a lot of people who are kind of adverse toward packing peanuts and this would probably tweak them in a way that they don't want to be tweaked. Let's open another box. You find a bright red shiny sphere approximately 15 inches in diameter sitting in a stone... stone? holder. The sphere is perfect down to the atomic level, analysis would reveal it to be a diamond, but it is also razor edged treat as monowire. No, note that no matter how much your players try to, co to convince the sphere that perfect sphere and razor edged are mutually exclusive, it will retain these contradictory properties. Keep in mind that this stuff in Warehouse 23 is to be used for um, um, like tabletop role-playing, so when it mentions things about players, well, that's why. Let's take a look down at level 2. You find an ordinary belt holster for medium to large pistols. That would have been useful during News of the Weird. When the wearer tries to draw the pistol from this holster, the pistol is teleported into their hand instantly. The holster will work four more times, then become non-functional. You figure that it become non-functional as in it just doesn't teleport the gun into into your hand or it doesn't hold the gun at all. Food for thought. Let's go down to level 3. You find a large piece of black stone with writing on one side. It has hieroglyphs on one corner which seems to match those missing from the Rosetta stone. The rest of the stone is co covered with Mayan glyphs. Hmm. Was it perhaps that the Rosetta Stone was meant to decipher the Mayan language? Who can say? Let's go down to level 4. On level 4 you find reports stating that the impact of the show Alien Nation adjusted attitudes toward coloniz colonization more than ex anticipated. Section 18Z of the plan may be accelerated by a few months. Interesting. So maybe there are secret alien or secret human colonies on alien worlds that we don't know about. What's on level 5? Now we've seen that one. Two clear crystal rods, which look like they were manufactured to screw into something. A note reads, Store separately. I'll just leave that to your imaginations, and let's move on to our last song of the day. You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax.
And that was Thomas Van Rossum with a song just simply called 8-Bit Chiptune. And uh, that is it for today's episode of Square Wave Symphony. And uh, I will mention that um, I have been playing with little sound DJ, so maybe we'll hear some chiptunes from me at some point. For now, I've just created a basic little thing. You can hear it over on uh, on Twitter at Square Sim, but uh, it's, there's really nothing to it, honestly. But um, I do hope to be able to create some more music in the future, some actual music, so keep an ear out for that. But for now, it is time to wrap up the show. And before I start with the credits, just another reminder that Daylight Saving Time does start this Sunday, so remember to set your clocks ahead one hour for it. All right, so Square Wave Symphony is based on the format of the Electric Leftovers podcast by Jason Parton of Low Bias Gaming, lowbiasgaming.net. News of the Weird is written by the editors at Andrews McMeal Syndication, newsoftheweird.com. Segment music composed by Format, Madame Namiki, Noriyuki Kamikura, Simon Whittington, Niflis, Pink Projects, and Ensnare. Stay tuned for the Astrology Show coming up next on CKDU, followed by The Witching Hour, Sun and Sea at 7pm and at 8.30, Anything Goes with CKDU Surprise. Comments, questions, want your chiptunes featured on the show? Email me at squaresim at lowbiasgaming.net or get in touch on Twitter at squaresim, S-Y-M. You can also call the CKDU feedback line at 902-494-8041. There's also a podcast version of this show. It's available on lowbiasgaming.net slash squaresim or just search for Square Wave Symphony, Square Wave is one word, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or TuneIn Radio, or pretty much any app that um, you can find podcasts in. This has been Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. I'm Coolio if you don't know. Now I'll see you guys next time.